please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy and hope what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Hear these words from Paul to the church at Philippi. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolations from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interests of others. Let, this, let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but it emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first task I had this morning when I found out I was preaching on pride was I had to figure out what I was going to wear. Uh, you know, because it's like, do you want to dress humble? Do you want to, I don't know what you do. I have no idea how to win that. So I went with a sweater. I hope that's okay with you all. Uh, that's what I chose this morning. Uh, pride is one of those funny things that sort of weaves into all aspects of our life, whether we realize it or not. Uh, when I was 19... I had the distinct opportunity to travel out uh, to the San Jacinto Mountains uh, and um, in the Rockies uh, south of Grand Junction in Montrose, Colorado. Uh, it's picturesque. It's beautiful. Someone has to serve Jesus there, and it would just be me. I said, I'll go, Lord. And so there I went, um, traveled across the, uh, the states and uh, was a, a youth ministry intern at this church. And it was a fantastic uh, experience for me. I was 19 years old, uh, teaching high schoolers about God, and uh, we had the opportunity to go up uh, to these, these like rope, ropes initiative courses. How many of you have ever been on one of those, right? The, the high ropes and the low ropes, that's kind of the obstacle course. And I had the, the chance to go and uh, do that uh, for uh, a week within this 10-week internship. And I remember as, as part of the excursion into the wilderness, uh, if you will, that they came to this low ropes thing and they, they blindfolded us, right, and then marched us into the middle of the woods and put our hands on a piece of rope and said, your goal is to, is to navigate this course and if any time you need help, you raise your hand. 
And I was like, challenge accepted, right? <laughs> I will totally do this. And so I start moving my way through the course, high-stepping rocks, you know, hit my head on a branch, and you move underneath. You can't let go of the rope, right? You have to hold onto the rope, because that's how you know where you are. So I'm kind of guiding myself around, and I do this. I kid you not, not I'm not exaggerating. For like maybe 20 minutes or so, I'm, I'm going, and I'm like, oh, there has got to be an end to this stupid course. And so I'm going all about it, trying to get my way there, and I'm just going around what I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't figure it out. So I raise my hand, and someone comes over to me, right? The entire time they're saying, if at any time you need help, raise your hand. I'm like, I don't need your help. I'm going to do the course. It's not that hard. So I raise my hand, and I go, I can't find the end of this rope, all right? And then said, so, well, you can take off your blindfold. I take off my blindfold, and I'm going around in a stinking circle. They have this rope that's attached to itself, and I'm going all the way around like this. And I felt tricked. I was like, you tricked me. And then uh, she said, this is, she, you know, she debriefed the whole entire thing. She said, this is a fantastic lesson on pride and how asking for help can be really, really hard. And I go, that's stupid. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was so mad. I was so ticked off because I could do it. I could do it. I didn't need any help, right? I should probably learn something from that lesson. But anyways, that was that. The second time that I really struggled with pride uh, was in my time at uh, SMU in Dallas. As part of the internship, they integrate an opportunity to do counseling. And I don't need counseling. I'm perfectly healthy. I'm fine. And so I said, this is stupid. I don't need to go take counseling, right? And so I, and they said, no, you need to do it. It's part of the requirement. 16 hours. Y'all, that's a long time. I said, fine. If you won't let me graduate without it, I'll do it, right? So I went and I sat with a counselor for 16 hours and said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. They're making me do this. And I said, well, what do your friends talk, tell you about yourself? And I shared some stuff and then I decided that fine, if we're gonna talk about one thing, we're gonna talk about myself. <laughs> and I spent 16 hours with a counselor sharing about my personality and how I struggle with pride and how um, it was just a, a problem for me for a very long time. I say all that to encourage you, that if you have not had the opportunity to sit with a therapist, to sit with a counselor, it is always a good thing you can do. I want to kind of remove the stigma of that a little bit today, that it is good to have these honest and raw conversations, and that it's all health. It's part of sitting down and saying, you know what? We are not perfect people, and it's good to talk out some of these issues. And so I would encourage you to do that. We easily see pride in others, don't we? It's oftentimes, it's difficult for me to see it in myself, right, with my counselor. I don't see that, and I don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> I don't see it in myself, but I can totally see it in that person, and that person, and definitely that person, and that person, yeah. Okay, and that person over there. We see pride all the time, right? People who cling to their ways, uh, even when the ways are bad. People who are kind of one-upping each other. You get a group of six dudes together around a campfire, and they start talking about the reds they catch. Right? And one's like, oh, yours is that big? My cup one's big. Yeah? What kind of lure are you using? Right? And they'll begin one-upping each other in conversation. Um, people who brag about everything. Uh, when you're having a conversation and someone starts talking about their vacation, and you don't remember asking them about their vacation. <laughs> um, it's just like, no, bragging and boasting is, we see it in other people so easily. We, we, we write children's books that kind of write pride at large, the tortoise and the hare. These characters are written so big that we see pride everywhere, oftentimes in others. And when we think of pride like that, written large, I want to call that big pride. Think of big pride. We think of people like politicians, 
the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, probably nowhere else do we see it more than in sports. It's that classic clip of the linebacker who somehow gets the ball in football, right? And he's running down the field and he starts showboating everywhere. And then just like this, right? And then someone strips it, boom, drops it, whatever it is. You're like, oh my goodness, man. Probably should finish your job first before you start boasting about anything. A little bit of humility would be helpful. Nowhere else do we see it more than in sports. Certainly that, that sort of big pride exists. And maybe some of us struggle with big pride, uh, but I think there's more to it than that. We had the opportunity to hear from Philippians 2 a little bit earlier, and a, some little bit of background on Philippians 2 as we sit with this text today. First of all, we will remember that it was written by a guy named Paul, and we know all about Paul by now. He was the church persecutor turned church planter, pastor, and apostle. It's a big, a big deal. He wrote the letter Philippians to the church at Philippi, uh, which is a major city of Macedonia and northern Greece. Uh, it's a Roman colony. It, it sits along this very, very important trade mount, uh, route. I could show you pictures with, with colors and graphs, but you get the idea. It's in Greece. It's there. You can go visit it today. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, most likely. And so we can place it kind of in the 60s. Not the uh, 1960s, you know, but like the 60s. So this letter has been around for a very, very long time. The church has been formed and shaped by this letter. In fact, just out of curiosity, how many of you have heard those words from Philippians 2 this morning? Yeah, almost everyone in a pew. Absolutely. Uh, first service, same uh, kind of stat. Everyone's heard this passage. So there's so much that I could preach on out of Philippians 2. It is just chock full of goodies, right? Lots of things that we could talk about. I could talk about how the NRSV omits the word therefore at the beginning of chapter 2. Chapter 2 is this response to sort of Paul's plea that everyone's of one mind, and therefore we should be humble. So I could talk about that, but I'm not going to. I could talk about how this is the famous kenosis passage in Greek, and kenosis means emptying of oneself. When we think of God Almighty, God the Father, we think of the things that usually ascribe to God, such as God's uh, all-powerful, all-knowing. We call these the omnis. He's omnipresent, omniscience, omnipotent. These are the things that we would say God is. And then Jesus in the incarnation sheds all of those omnis. Jesus gives up omnipresence, all-powerful, all-knowing, and becomes one of us gets in the game. This is the kenosis passage. I could preach on that, but I ain't going to do that either, right? Uh, I could talk about how in the power of that shedding, that in the incarnation, in the emptying of those powerful things, that the incarnation is this huge moment of sympathy and empathy with the created order, that God says, let's see what it's like to get down in the game with the creation. Let's see what it's like to experience pride, the temptation therein, to experience humility and true humility when I think I should boast, to experience love and pain and suffering and want and loss. I could talk about that, but I ain't going to preach on that either, right? The things that are all in Philippians 2, they're all there. Instead, this morning, I want to focus on verses 3 through 5, because this hits a little too close to home. I think it'll preach well, too. So, Verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better 
than yourselves. That's awful. Bad advice, Paul. Okay, next verse. It says, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In verse 5, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Next verse, right? Was that it? Three, 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 three through five? Yeah. The same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And so today I want to talk about pride. Straight up pride. Like I said, there's big pride that we often see in other people, Fortune 500 company CEO folk, and sort of those, we all know those types, right? The people who are kind of too big for their britches. Big pride. And something called little pride. I think it points to something that we all struggle with. And in this book, uh, this is written by a guy named Kerry Newhoff. Uh, He's a a blogger, a pastor, a a leader of sorts, and he wrote this book called Didn't See It Coming. He's got a great chapter in here, an excerpt on pride that I want to read to you that I think really illustrates the sort of pride that we all struggle with day in and day out. He decides to do something crazy. He's going to do what he calls a spending fast where he's not going to spend any discretionary funds on anything he doesn't need. Folks, that means no Astros tickets, right? That that means, like, no new iPhone upgrade. That means, like, uh, you go to the store, you buy the essentials. You don't buy, you know, we all end up going to the store for, like, three things, and we come out with 15. I don't know how that happens, Uh, but he he struggled there, too. So he decides to go on a spending fast. So he's not going to buy anything extra fancy. Three months into my fast, I was about an hour from home, heading to an appointment when the hot tea I had been sipping slipped out of my hand, and this wasn't a little spill. My pants were soaked. It was like an invisible hand reached over and poured the liquid all over my clothes. The stain was effectively placed to make me look like I'd been unable to reach the bathroom in time, or perhaps like I had slept on the streets for a few weeks. I immediately thought, I have a meeting, I need to go buy a new pair of pants. This definitely qualifies as an exception to my spending fast. I can't wear pants that are badly stained. There's no other alternative. Providentially, I drove past the Walmart, and so I turned into the parking lot. Parking my car, I started debating with myself, and it went something like this. You could wear those pants, you know. They're just stained. No, that would be embarrassing. I would never dress like that. And they are, after all, really stained. If you bought the pants at Walmart, that doesn't even qualify as breaking a spending fast, right? Walmart is not the place where you normally go to buy clothes. It's not like you're breaking any rules anyway. So what's really driving this, Carrie? Uh, Basically, you want to protect your image? Uh, You're too embarrassed to be the guy with the big stain in an awkward location. And and, and now you're an elitist about Walmart because you're too stylist to shop for clothes there. Shut up, self. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And so, like, do you see how pride shows up? If none of us want to be seen in public with stained pants, we're afraid we'll be judged, dismissed, or humiliated. Nobody wants to be looked down on. We have reputations to project and images to project. Yes, even at Walmart. And then he goes on to talk about how uh, he went to the bathroom and they had a big wall dryer there and he's able to waft some of the air onto his stain and he sort of dries it up. And that's what he says. I was afraid people would judge me or think less of me. I didn't have the humility to risk being misunderstood, judged, or seen as uncool, not even for an hour until I was able to get back home. Pride runs so deep. 
It's one of the cardinal sins against God. Pride made me believe these things. What other people think matters more than what God thinks. God's love for me is not enough. God's approval of me is inadequate unless I have the approval of others. Appearance, they count a lot for me, and I am what others think I am. Those are powerful observations that he had over some spilled tea on some pants, all about pride and how it affects us all. So pride can be simple to understand, can it not? The antidote to pride is humility. So when someone says you're being prideful, you say, well, that's okay, I'll just be more humble, right? It's so easy to understand, but you all, it takes decades to master it is much like the game Go. If you've ever tried to sit down and play the game Go, you know what I'm talking about. It's a simple grid game. It's an ancient game that the Chinese used to play and still do. And you, one opponent gets white stones and one opponent gets black stones. And you just alternate placing stones. And the goal is simply to capture as much area as possible. There's only one rule, and that's you can't box yourself in. It's got one rule, y'all. It's a game with one rule. And people spend decades <laughs> mastering it. Much like humility and pride. Pride is one rule, right? If you're going to try to not be prideful, that's it. You just be humble. That's it. That, that's all. That's the only rule. Just, just be more humble. Okay, let's pray and go home. No, it's not that simple at all. It takes decades to cultivate and master humility as you wrestle with your own pride. And I'm not talking big pride. We're talking little pride. We're talking little pride. So there are some symptoms of little pride in all of our lives. And I think if you want to key in on areas that you might struggle with pride, that I struggle with pride, uh, let's key into some of these areas. The first is when we compare ourselves to others. You're driving along in Lake Jackson, you're minding your own business, you're going down Oyster Creek, you're going to H-E-B, and you come up to the light and you stop. There is temptation all of a sudden. Look around, their car is not washed. That car is a very old model, right? All of a sudden, you've fallen into the trap of little pride because you're simply comparing yourselves to others. You're enough, but you're comparing yourselves to others. That's little pride. Not big pride, that's little pride. Another thing to look out for when we talk about little pride is your self-worth. You do your 360, you do your uh, end-of-year evaluation, you get it back, and people say some things about you, and you go, oh, I guess I am a pretty good supervisor after all, right? <laughs> or someone says, worst supervisor ever, and you go, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm a gift to this department, right? <laughs> you get your 360 back, you get your evaluation back, and all of a sudden your self-worth comes into conversation. These are temptations for little pride to enter the scene. The third thing is when you are unable to celebrate somebody else's success. Let's say someone down the hall in a different department is killing it, right? They're bashing the numbers. They're just meeting goal after goal after goal. And you're sitting over here saying, stupid, <laughs> right? We, we can do better. Come on, guys. No, what you should do is get up, walk down, and say, you are doing awesome work. Keep doing it. Just, re just you shoot for the moon. I, I believe in you. If, if there's any way that we can support you, just let us know. But when you cannot celebrate other people's successes, little pride has crept into the scene and is going to grow into big pride before you know it. 
when you cannot celebrate other people's successes, when you cannot share the stage, little pride is creeping up in your life. When you think that you have a, a gift to offer the masses or whatever it is and you can't bear to share the stage, little pride is creeping up and will turn into big pride. And when you want some say in everything, that's a sign that little pride is creeping into your life. When you have a, a better idea of how the people should run the website and you're not even in the communications department, but you find yourself giving advice to someone who is and sort of seeking that advice in, little pride <laughs> is creeping up in your life. When you think you know how to run the books better and you see the accountants doing what they're doing and you're like, why are they running, like, putting these numbers here and, and this over here? And you start to critique slightly, little bit by little bit by little bit, little pride is entering the picture and can turn into big pride before we know it. And so folks, I have good news this morning. Good news. The solution to pride is humility. The bad news is that's awful. It's so, so hard. Humility ain't fun one bit. Y'all, it is so difficult to master. So humility is a solution to pride. And there's four things that I think will help us practice humility going forward. The first is practicing the habit of uh, gratitude. Knowing that all things come from God. You did not earn it by your own bootstraps and ability. It is a gift. It is a gift from God, and God calls you simply to steward it. It is not of your own doing. It is from God. The second is you have to remember where you come from, right? There was a time when I didn't have a degree. There was a time when I was working two jobs to make ends meet. There was a time when we lived in a dirt cheap apartment above a garage to make it happen. There was a time when you were on food stamps. There was a time when you used the pawn shop as a bank. There was a time where you came from something that you are not today. And you need to remember that there are other people there as well, and they need to journey along with someone. And that's an opportunity for you to practice humility and to remember where you came from. The third thing that we can do to practice humility is to push other people into the spotlight. And friends, we have a fantastic model on this. I told Pastor Peter, I, I'd share about this, I told him not to let it go to his head. Uh, but out of all of my peers, uh, I preach the most out of any associate I know. And it is because Peter models humility here in this building every Sunday by offering other people the chance to get up here and share a message. Such humility. And that you go to other churches, you're not going to see that because pride is an issue in American culture, <laughs> right? We have such a model here. And Peter being humble and offering to share the spotlight, the, the, um, people have a chance to share their gifts as well. The reason why we don't want to share the spotlight is because we have the assumption that we worked to get there to earn it. And we don't. What we get to do is we work to get there to bring other people alongside with us. And to say, come do it with me. Come do it with me. And that is a far better practice than saying, I earned this. I get to keep it. It's mine. That's little pride. The solution to that is to bring others alongside with you, to teach them, to show them the way. The fourth sort of solution to pride and something to sit with is that we need to get honest with ourselves and God. You got to sit with a friend. <laughs> 
You got to sit with a counselor, a spouse, and you got to say, could you show me in my life where I might not be seeing pride? Can you just point out some areas where I'm a little hard-headed sometimes? Because folks, it's okay. We all are hard-headed sometimes. We all struggle. Not with big pride, right? I don't see any huge NFL players in here. I don't see any Fortune 500 company CEOs, people way too big for the britches. But I think we all struggle with a little bit of pride. Just that little bit that keeps us from real intimacy with folks, with being honest and raw, because it's much easier to put up the sort of front that we are capable and totally doing everything on our own power and agenda, as opposed to saying, will you help me? Will you walk with me? Will you show me? It's an opportunity to search ourselves and ask God to search us. And so last, uh, two, was it two weeks ago, I gave up anxiety for Lent. It was something, you know, a lot of people give up chocolate or they give up caffeine, but uh, I give up anxiety and I moved into trusting God. Uh, last week, I practiced giving up my, my sort of anger and uh, leaning into mercy and compassion and forgiveness. And this week, I think I'm going to try and give up pride. I think I need to, to practice humility more. And oftentimes I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to be humble. I think, if, is there an example and folks, yes, there is. There's an example in Jesus Christ who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself a servant. Took on the form of a servant and gave it all up and got into the race and practiced humility and modeled humility for us so that we can be humble for others. And so maybe so. I hope that you also practice humility with me as we try together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.